1: We Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. Find us on Twitter at StadiumBets. Bets. We give out all of our best bets at the end of the week on Fridays. So be sure to uh, keep following the Twitter feed for that. We appreciate all the subscribers and the listeners. You can find us anywhere on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. Nate Jacobs and the professor. I'm Ben Wittenstein. And Nate, it is Wednesday, which means... It's time to look over all the games that we are uh, at least leaning towards for the weekend on Saturday and Sunday.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely go over some big games There's some really good college football games with two top ten battles on Saturday. And then we're going to break down a lot of NFL games. It was hard narrowing down the list because you could make a case for a lot of games, not including the Thursday night game between the Jaguars and Bengals. So if you came for a preview of that, then this isn't the podcast for you. (laughs) <laughs> we'll have Buddy for the games on Sunday because there's a lot of good games, including with the Sunday night game between the Buccaneers and the Patriots and Tom Brady's return to Foxborough.
1: Yeah, I uh, I don't think I have it in me to preview Jacksonville and Cincinnati. I mean, the line is seven and a half for Cincinnati, that crucial seven and a half. I just like it's not a game I want to watch, let alone put any money up on.
0: Let's just say this. If you want some action, tease the Bengals and find something else to tease them with Sunday because there's plenty of options. Even I'm going to probably not tease it, but if you really want the action, the best way to go is just get the Bengals through seven and three. I hope they win uh, by a field goal or more or two points or more if you tease them
1: at the current price. All right, Nate, we've got the Chiefs and Eagles, some line movement going on for Sunday and this Was kind of what people were talking about before the game is this line was, you know, hovering around six and a half, seven-ish, some sixes before the game on Monday night. And then the Eagles just looked terrible on Monday night football against the Cowboys. And so this line has moved, um, a decent amount. I mean, not, not anything big, but there has been some line movement on this game where now you're seeing Kansas City for sure at seven. You're seeing some seven and a halves. Um, and it seems a lot more people are more confident that the Chiefs can cover by more than a touchdown against an Eagles team that didn't look like they really had any offensive talent. Yeah, when this line reopened uh, in terms of Chiefs-Eagles, it was five and a half. The Chiefs took
0: a little bit of money even before Monday Night Football, and now after that Eagles performance, we're out to 7 on the Chiefs, on the road, in Philadelphia— I was on the Eagles the other night, really bad bet by me, never had a chance. Uh, Very curious and perplexing game plan from Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni, who I thought maybe was okay of a coach at least and maybe had some things figured out offensively. But they ran the ball three times with running backs. Uh, Miles Sanders, two carries, Kenneth Gainwell, one carry at the very end of the game. So just a really puzzling game plan in general. Cowboys looked very good at home. The offense looks great under Dak Prescott, and we'll have to see uh, going forward with both these teams because I have a little bit of interest in the Chiefs as a teaser now. That's up to seven, maybe in Survivor too, if you're in that as a contrarian pick because the Bills are going to be used by a lot of people. The Titans are going to be used by a lot of people. Yep. If you want to be risky, maybe burn the Bengals. You're probably never going to have a better chance to use the Bengals again if you're in a pool like that. So Yeah, uh, there's ways to go. And then the Cowboys with the interesting game against the Panthers right now, a four point favorite in week four against the three and old Carolina Panthers, a Carolina Panthers team that I thought maybe we'd want to maybe sell high on because they beat teams that were quarterbacked by Zach Wilson, Jameis Winston, and Davis Mills. But the Carolina comes in with a four day rest advantage, four day preparation advantage because they played last Thursday night and the Cowboys just looked really good on Monday night. So, a lot kind of going in the favor of Carolina situationally, but X and O wise, I feel like Dallas's offense should probably keep rolling against a Carolina defense that's performed well, but it's been a bet against bad quarterbacks.
1: I just don't see the Chiefs losing three in a row, Nate. And I was able to tease this down to basically a pick 'em when the Chiefs were minus six against. The Eagles, and so I'm happy I got that line because I, I just don't see the Chiefs losing three in a row. I know, you know, Andy Reid has, has had some health issues and he went to the hospital as a precaution. So hopefully everything is okay with him and it seems like he's been resting and getting better. But I mean, this Chiefs team is too good to lose three in a row. They when when you have someone like Patrick Mahomes, when you have the offense that they have. I know their defense has had issues, but the way the Eagles played on Monday Night Football, I just I don't see them losing to this team. So hopefully that teaser works out. I don't know if I would. Late a seven and a half with the Chiefs because we all know that their against the spread has been horrid, not only this season, but going back to last season. So this may be a good spot to hit the Eagles and buy them low, but I, I don't see them losing a game like this.
0: Yeah, I'd stay away spread wise, but if it's teasers or survivor, like the Chiefs to bounce back, win a game. They did lose to the Chargers last week, but they did lose the turnover battle four to zero. Yeah. A lot of those turnovers were in costly positions where they were driving down the field and I think that some of the defensive concerns that they had early in the year which were certainly warranted against the Browns and Ravens defenses who have really good pass rushes or pass or rushing games which the Chiefs have trouble stopping I mean if the Eagles can't rush the ball and it's Sirianni show that he wasn't willing to run the ball on Monday night I don't know if he's just gonna change his mind and if they the Chiefs' secondary is fine. It's, it's their run defense that's bad. So I don't think Philly is going to be able to exploit that.
1: All right, let's do our uh, Sharp Lessons shortlist, the tongue twister that it is. Three college football games, three NFL games we are looking at to bet for the weekend. And usually, Nate, these are the marquee games that we like. Um, but we'll, we'll give out some other non-marquee bets that we are thinking about. We also have Talk It Out coming up, our situations of the week. But just the top three NFL, top three college football games. Let's start down south. Let's go to Georgia. Between the hedges, Arkansas and Georgia, number eight. Number eight, Arkansas, Nate, against number two, Georgia. And uh, Georgia, the heavy favorite, minus 18.5 with a total at 49. Um, this is a, a unique game because we were both last week on the wrong side of Arkansas, Texas A&M. And Arkansas just ran the ball down Texas A&M's throats. Texas A&M had trouble stopping him and tackling and everything. So Arkansas... People are thinking they're legit, and the rankings show that top ten team. Uh, I don't know which way you're leaning in this game. That 18 and a half is uh, is certainly a lot, but I, I I'm I kind of really want to bet Arkansas here just because it seems like people are undervaluing them at the at the moment against a really good Georgia team. Like I get it, but 18 and a half is a lot.
0: Yeah, the AP rankings say that Arkansas is a good team. However, if you look at the point spread, it shows how big of a gap there is between Georgia and a team like Arkansas. Georgia ranked two, Arkansas ranked eight. But if you looked also at another SEC game between uh, 12 Ole Miss and one Alabama and Alabama favored by two touchdowns, I think it just shows the gap between Alabama and Georgia and the rest of college football at the moment. But with this game, Probably not going to bet against Arkansas. I think there's enough there where they could keep the game close. The total's only 49. Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator from Arkansas, was masterful against Texas A&M. I can see him having a strong outing, getting his unit to play up, and a big road spot against Georgia. My concern is with Arkansas's offense. They did get out to that hot start and were able to move the ball a lot. But after they got up 17 nothing early in the second quarter they only scored three points Georgia has a much better defense than Texas A&M and they're at home there's also a lot of familiar in the familiarity in this game Sam Pittman was an, a former assistant under Kirby Smart he was an offensive line coach he had the title of assistant head coach in 2019 before going to Arkansas and he was also one of the best recruiters that Georgia had while he was in Athens so a lot of familiarity here between Pittman and Kirby Smart, which is why I kind of think this could be a low-scoring game, especially since Georgia has an amazing defense, and it, Arkansas is not going to be able to run the ball like they did the other day. So
1: yeah, my, my lean on this
0: game, if I had to take something, would be the Arkansas team total under. I saw 14.5. I know that's a little bit low because one, one mistake with a short field could lead to seven points like it did, or I guess the Arkansas – touchdowns against A&M were explosive plays. I think Georgia can limit those explosive plays and make it very difficult for Arkansas to do anything on offense.
1: That is 14 and a half is you really have to believe that they will not be able to score. And I, and I don't know KJ Jefferson injury too. I mean, he he had some injury issues against AM, and it seems like he'll be all right, but man, that you you that's going to be a sweat. That's pretty much a sweat for the entire game is 14 and a half.
0: It's a thin margin of error, but I think I, I feel confident doing it because Arkansas only scored three points basically in the final three quarters against a and I know they were in control, but I think Georgia really does want to make a statement, especially seeing the rest of the college football landscape with Clemson losing twice, Oklahoma struggling, Ohio State not looking great. I wouldn't be surprised if Kirby really makes sure the defense is good, and he's probably going to know a little bit of what Arkansas is going to want to do offensively just knowing Sam Pittman so well.
1: Yeah, I'm leaning the under in this game, um, just because as we talked about, it's a defensive game. Georgia, top defense in the SEC. Arkansas, basically third ranked defense in the SEC. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a defensive game, I think. So that's why I'm leaning towards a under 49. Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Cincinnati, the seventh ranked team. Notre Dame, the ninth ranked team in the land. And I'll just say this, Nate. These are two teams I don't trust at all. I don't trust Cincy from how they started that game against Indiana. A thing that they have struggled with is starting games. I don't really trust Notre Dame. And I know the scores we talked about on Monday reflected a big win against Wisconsin, but it was really just that fourth quarter where they picked off Graham Mertz a couple times and they had some turnovers. I, I just, these are two teams I don't trust. I don't think I'm going to be betting this game. The only thing I may lean towards if I'm going to do anything would be the under 51 simply because these teams, uh, have have had their struggles offensively. Um, and especially in the first half. It might be like a first half under type of thing, especially with Cincinnati's struggles in the first half. So I, I can't pick a side. I know it's a small spread. I know it's at Notre Dame. But I I just I see both of these teams flubbing it up. I really do.
0: I think we did a good job breaking down this game Monday, kind of explaining the line move, explaining why Cincinnati is now the favorite on the road even though there was a little bit of doubt that this is basically close to the same line as they were when they were on the road at Indiana Notre Dame, at least a few points better than Indiana, I would say. And, and one thing I would add for this game is the line now has moved to Notre Dame minus one and a half. I saw yesterday, sorry, Cincinnati minus one and a half. Yeah. Notre Dame is the underdog. It was Cincinnati minus two and a half when I was preparing some notes, but Notre Dame defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman was at Cincinnati last season, so I think that helps out the undercase a lot. I'm sure he knows what Desmond Ritter wants to do, the Cincinnati quarterback. Just that added familiarity there makes me think it's going to be a low-scoring game in this one where defense will rule the day, especially since Cincinnati's strength is their defense, and Notre Dame, or at least it's been their defense, that's kind of their calling card of Luke Fickle, so... I think that Notre Dame, especially with Jack Cohn coming back possibly from an ankle injury, um, the under makes a lot of sense, Ben. And yeah, I'm and, and from the side, but, yeah, the under would be where I go.
1: Yeah, and I will say, I mean, Cincinnati has had, has gone over in two and three games. Notre Dame has gone over in two or three games. So I think you can get a good price for the under at this point where people are expecting them to score a lot. But it's almost like that zigzag theory where it's like they've been going over, they've been scoring a lot, this is the time of big game, probably Notre Dame's biggest game of the season, it's going to be defensive-minded. Especially
0: especially since Notre Dame, Wisconsin should have gone under, it was 10, yes. 10 going in the fourth quarter, and then there was 31 points uh, scored by Notre Dame. So 34 total in the fourth quarter to send the game over. So that was kind of a misleading over between Wisconsin and Notre Dame where it was yeah. a kick return that kind of really opened the floodgates up in that game. And even then game probably should have stayed under. So I kind of now that we've talked about it and talked
1: a little briefly about it, out.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm going to add, uh, before I forget, I'm going to add the under in this game on my, uh, my watch list, circle that one.
1: Yeah, I think we just convinced ourselves. I love it. Um, Ole Miss-Bama, marquee game of the week, Bama minus 14.5, and my God, Nate, the total, 80. 8 is the total in this game. Um, I, I don't know if I can hit the over when the total is 80, and again, I don't love 14.5 for Alabama. This may be another Alabama first half type of situation for me. But it's at 80, man. I, this really, really, really makes me want to hit the under. And I know both these teams score. And I know Alabama has had 30 straight games of scoring 30-plus points. But 80 is such a hard number to hit.
0: Yeah, definitely. When there, if a total of that high, like everything has to go perfect. You can't have a long drive that stalls out and ends on a, a failed fourth-down conversion or a, a short field goal where you waste Six to seven minutes and only get three points out of a drive. Yeah. We talked the other day because the total, it really actually opened 80 in Vegas, and then it got bet down. The first move was to the under, and I think when we talked about the show, on the show on Monday, it was 77 and a half. But sure enough, Tuesday gets back up to 80, where it originally opened. I would have trouble going under, though, Ben, because last year's final score between these teams were 63 to, was 63-48. to 48. Obviously, Alabama mm-hmm. had way more offensive weapons then, but Ole Miss' offense is just a better unit and just a sharper unit than what it was last year when these two teams played uh, very early in the season, so that was kind of you know difficult to judge. An Ole Miss team with a new coach that didn't have the typical offseason because of COVID, so they showed out well in that game. It's definitely a game they've been out of circled all summer. I'm sure Ole Miss
1: Lane Kiffin is ready. Lane
0: Kiffin. Yeah. Lane Kiffin back in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. I mean, I think the Alabama first half angle is strong, but I kind of like Ole Miss plus the points if I had to play it. So because of that, I don't think I would go Bama first half because I could see Ole Miss being really focused in this game and, the way Alabama finished that game against Florida has con- has me concerned just about the Crimson Tide in general, where I think they will be vulnerable in a few spots, including in this game, against an offense that I think will have the edge against an Alabama defense. You can't say that too often.
1: I'm excited to see what Lane Kiffin does. And, and I know we talked about uh, what Alex did a couple weeks ago, talking about Colorado State and throwing the sink and throwing everything at the team just because they were desperate for a win. I can see Ole Miss doing something like that, not because they're in desperation mode and they're a bad team with nothing to lose, but this is this is the game. This is what Lane Kiffin has always been circled on his calendar. This is the game that he wants to win out of any other game that he plays. So I can see something like that where you have Ole Miss throwing everything. Everything that they got at Alabama. Um, and they may not win the game because of it, but it makes it a better chance they cover two touchdowns.
0: Yeah, the fact that Alabama struggled with Emory Jones two weeks ago. Has me yeah. worry about Alabama's defense against Matt Corral, who is a very good quarterback in a very good offensive system. That you know they scored 48 points last year against Alabama, and that was an Alabama defense that had a, a few good players who were drafted very highly, including Patrick Sertan. So I think Ole Miss has a has a path to cover this game to score a lot of points. I Honestly, don't know. I mean, I think it's Ole Miss or nothing, honestly, and that's hard to say. Probably won't end up betting them just because I am afraid to bet against Alabama. And there's,
1: <laughs> it's it's uh, terrifying to do.
0: There's yeah, there's probably like eight or ten other potential games I've circled I'd like better, and yeah. I don't want to bet too much. But game I'm going to be excited to watch because it's going to go a long way to deciding the uh, the S C C West and to see if Ole Miss are actually contenders in this division and conference.
1: Yeah, it might be a a live bet situation for me because I I just – I can't bet against Alabama. I have them as my championship winners, so I really don't want them to lose. I don't know if I could bet pregame for them, though. Um, All right, NFL time, Nate. We got a couple NFL games on the short list, three of them, in fact. Um, Let's look at the first one, Browns at Vikings. And this is a really tasty game for me, Nate. This is – this is interesting for me because I have been on the uh, off the Vikings train, I should say, to start the season after they hurt me in their preseason game when I made their, uh, their, their preseason game a best bet like an idiot, uh, and they lost that game. But they helped me out with a win against Seattle as the underdog in their first game at home. And I like them as the underdog again against the Browns at home. They've shown that they can win. They should have probably beaten Arizona, a team that's undefeated because they missed a field goal at the end of that game. That's a winner for them if they don't have a bad kicker. I, I don't, I'm not sure why they're underdogs at home, to be honest. And I think you could take advantage of the money line. Um, I know they're plus two and at that point, I think you just take the money line. Um, so I'm, I'm leaning pretty heavily, Nate, on the Vikings right now.
0: Okay, that's interesting. I, I'm not gonna say I don't like the Vikings. I think I'd prefer them though, teasing them up to plus eight. There's plenty of teaser options to go with this week. I think that it's a it's like a toss up game to me. I can see either team winning by one possession, so I'll take mm-hmm. the underdog and tease them up. Maybe use the Vikings in contest. I think the reason why, you know, they're an underdog in this game is just respect for the Browns, the defense. Yeah looked amazing against the Bears. I know the Bears kind of played into the Browns' hands, but it was still, you know, it goes both ways. It was Bears ineptitude, but also Browns kind of showing this what this rebuilt defense could be. I think the interesting thing about this game is the storyline between the head coaches. Kevin Safanski was on the Vikings staff from 2006 to 2019. He was on Zimmer's staff when Zimmer became the head coach in 2014. He was Kirk Cousins' quarterback coach in 2018. He got promoted to OC for the rest of the 2018 after they fired John Filippo. And then Stefanski had a very good 2019 as the offensive coordinator for the Vikings that got him this Browns job. So it's a big kind of homecoming game for Stefanski going back to a place he coached and how he started his coaching in the NFL. So I think because of the familiarity, I can see this being a little bit of a tighter game just in general. So I'm going to look to tease the Vikings as a, as an underdog. As you mentioned, the Vikings could be 2-1, and one, maybe even 3-0 and oh, if they win week one against the Cincinnati Bengals after they fumbled in overtime and plus territory. They played well last week without Dalvin Cook. Alexander Madison is a, is a capable backup. I think it's proof that in the NFL, running backs really don't matter.
1: No, they don't.
0: And, in a player like Madison can come off the bench and do exactly what Dalvin Cook did. So, a lot of interesting ga- things in this game. Going to be interested to watch it, see how it plays out. If you can get the Vikings to plus seven and a half, plus eight in a teaser, that's the way I would go because from the side's perspective, I can kind of make a case for both.
1: both yeah. I just haven't been impressed with Cleveland's schedule as well. Um, they lost to KC week one on the road in Kansas City. Tough team. So that's an understandable loss. But the two other teams they've beaten, Houston and Chicago, are terrible. And I, I don't know if they've really had a, a true test where they have won on the road. And I know it's an early season, but they go on the road again. Vikings have shown they can play better at home. I, I, I like the Vikings. I love that teaser idea though, Nate. I think I might do that teaser idea and then maybe sprinkle just a little bit, a little bit on the Vikings money line for that we, one. We t- we talked about
0: Lane Kiffin kind of throwing everything at Alabama, the game he circled. I think it's the same thing with Kevin Stefanski. This is a game he really wants to win at home or back at home, back to – or he's not from Minnesota, I don't believe, but a place where he got his head coaching start. He's coached against Mike Zimmer. I think the under might be in play because of the familiarity. I know whenever <laughs> two coaches kind of come from the same lineage or tree and have familiarity, a lot of times the under – Although I could see these offenses kind of playing well, um, just Cousins has been really good this season and, and the Browns' offense and, and under the fancy calling plays is probably going to get the most out of that unit, um, and know the weaknesses of Minnesota's defense because he knows Zimmer's defense inside and out.
1: Seahawks 49ers. Seahawks going to the 49ers and 49ers are laying three with a total at 51. And a half, and um, I I don't love Seattle, Nate, but I kind of like them as underdogs here, I'll be honest. Um, I don't know how strongly I feel about that, and I know the stat that I saw and looked into a little bit more. Seattle has been the worst second-half team in the NFL by a pretty decent margin. They score four points per game in the second half this season, four. San Francisco is eighth in the NFL with 13 and a half. I I don't know if that's a problem that can be fixed immediately for Seattle. I know they have an incredible offense. Whenever you have Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and, and Metcalf, you're going to be a really good offense, but they have somehow struggled in the second half of games, and I don't know really what to do with that information. But I do kind of lean Seattle on the road as an underdog. I
0: think Seattle plus three makes a lot of sense in this game although I'm probably just going to stay away because I, I'm high on the 49ers in general, and they just lost. Yes. And
1: These are two teams that need a win.
0: Right, especially because in the NFC West, the reason why this game's on the on the short list is because anytime you have, you know, two NFC West teams playing each other this season, it's going to be an important game because that division looks like it's going to be super competitive. As we'll talk about another game later on with the Rams and Cardinals where both teams are 3-0. So both teams – kind of need this game especially the Seahawks they cannot start one and three especially because they host the Rams next week so I don't have much in this game I think what's going to keep me off the the 49er side is just the injuries they have at running back I mentioned in the earlier game that running backs don't matter but when you have like injuries to three running backs and you're no. calling guys off the street then it kind of changes thing and then the 49er secondary kind of concerns me too because if Seattle is able to win this game, it's probably going to be through the air with Russell Wilson to, as you said, Metcalf and Lockett. So I'm a little bit worried about the 49ers' secondary in this game, and uh, I just I don't know. Maybe Seattle's
1: like it's finally, a tough pick.
0: Like, Seattle, I think maybe like there's a like a scenario where like Seattle is finally like like the mismanagement of and like player development and lack thereof has kind of caught up to them. And that, like, if they're not getting Russell Wilson's A game, then they're going to have a tough time competing in these competitive games. As we saw last week with them against the Vikings and then when they blew that lead against the Titans. So um, probably a game I just stay away from. I'll be rooting for the 49ers for some futures I have on them and some stuff I have uh, pro 49ers. But in this particular game, I'll probably stay away.
1: All right, final game of the short list is the marquee game of the week Buccaneers at the Patriots. Tom Brady goes back to face Bill Belichick in New England with the Buccaneers laying 7. That total is at 49. I uh I don't know about this one, either. I really don't. This is this is kind of the same feeling that you have for Seahawks 49ers I kind of have for this game where I just there's so many different ways I can see this game going that I don't know if I can lay money on either side, even the total. So, I'm scared
0: about this, but I, I do like the Patriots. I think this line is just way too high. If you flipped home field in this game at Buccaneers minus seven in Foxborough and put the game in Tampa and give two points for home field, as I believe that's now the NFL consensus in terms of home field advantage for the point spread, this line would be Buccaneers minus 11. The Buccaneers closed under 13 against the Falcons. And at least in my opinion, I think a lot of people agree that the Patriots are a much better team than the Falcons. So I think we're just getting a lot of, you know, it's a big, it's a big number. It's a lot. It's a touchdown.
1: They got to win by more than a touchdown.
0: Yeah. I I think that's too much, Ben. I really do. And I'll I'll take a shot at the Patriots, but I'm going to wait as long as possible because now all the narratives are coming in with, especially because the Buccaneers, lost last week but Tom Brady going back to New England after kind of New England didn't really want or didn't really want to give him that extension uh, or a new contract when he became a free agent and I know there's a lot of motivation for Brady and it's hard to bet against him especially off a loss when he's very focused but the point spreads the great equalizer and I think that's all built into the numbers yeah. I'll wait as long as possible and, and take the Patriots plus the points uh, last week, the Patriots lost, but they also held those Saints to 4.1 yards per play. Not sure if that means anything because the Buccaneers' offense is, is better than the Saints. But yeah. the Patriots can somehow find a way to, to throw the ball and throw the ball successfully. The Buccaneers' secondary is very bad, where even Matt Ryan had a good... A decent statistical today against the Buccaneers. So, how much do you trust Mac
1: think, Jones? Is the question there? That's
0: that's that's the difference between me like wanting to be make this like a potential best bet and then just like a regular NFL play that I'll like, yeah. detail on Friday. But that's that's the big question. It's a rookie in a in a big spot with a lot of pressure. I know he's played in a lot of pressure at Alabama, but this is I feel like a, a totally different level against a, a Buccaneers pass rush that. Could cause some troubles for a Patriots offensive line who hasn't fared that well this season, which was kind of what New England was banking on to try to get back to the playoffs, the the, the trench battles that, and the advantages that they would have against teams.
1: All right, situations of the week, Nate. What's the situation? We have a couple situations. We can start with the hangover games. Lousy hangover. NC State hangover game for them. Um, as they go to play L.A. Tech coming off that win against Clemson in double overtime. 27-21 was the final in that one. Um Devin Lear looked good in the quarterback for NC State, but again, it's an emotional win, a tough win, double overtime win against a, a, a tough opponent in Clemson. And they come and play L.A. Tech this weekend. This could be a, a bit of a letdown game for them.
0: Yeah, this is the classic hangover. You have the storm the field, tear down the goalpost win against <laughs> yep. you have a team that has dominated the conference for so many years. And now you're facing an out of conference opponent. You're staying at home. So, you know, the fans probably have, a li- they might even be hungover too in, in Raleigh for this game because how do you <laughs> go from the big game against Clemson? You know, no. afternoon, prime spot, and now you have to, you know, are they going to show up at the same energy against Louisiana Tech? I don't think so. Louisiana Tech also just an interesting team. I think it's a team that's actually pretty good. They only lost in week one to Mississippi State by a point, and they had a big lead in that game. The big question is, though, Louisiana Tech, their quarterback, a former Oklahoma and West Virginia transfer, Austin Kendall, He's been the starter for Louisiana Tech. He actually started his college career in 2016, so he's an old, Jeez. he's been around player. I think his actually his age is 23.
1: But last <laughs>
0: week against God. North Texas, he was a late scratch for health reasons. Um, it may have been COVID. Not exactly sure. Was trying to look up articles and, and tweets about Austin Kendall. Couldn't find any for sure details about it. I saw the line last night was North Carolina State minus 19.5, and now it's up to 20.5. So, with a line move like that, maybe the word on Kendall isn't very good. But if Austin Kendall is confirmed in, I will be betting on Louisiana Tech for sure against NC State in a classic hangover game.
1: All right, we got a couple more. We got rapid fire here. We got Georgia Tech um, coming off that UNC win as uh, they play Pitt. And that game is going to be an 11 a.m. game after a, you know, it's t- UNC is a tough team. They they haven't been they haven't shown to be the team that everyone thought they were going to be this season, myself included. But a win over them, a big win at home, double digit win, pretty good. That they could be coming a little bit uh, off a hangover game for that one.
0: Yeah, this might actually be a, a double hangover game where you you know you. You try drinking on a Friday night, and then you roll it into a Saturday, and on Sunday you're completely dead because the week before (laughs) Georgia Tech played North Carolina, they went down to the wire against Clemson and lost by one possession. So now you have two big performances where you showed out well against Clemson, you destroy North Carolina as double-digit underdogs, and now you have to go, I guess they are at home, but they played Pittsburgh, who was a team I backed earlier this season when they played Tennessee. And uh, I I think I would make a case for Pittsburgh here, thinking Georgia Tech has a little bit of letdown. Remember, this was the same Georgia Tech team that lost to Northern Illinois in week one. So Pittsburgh getting a a short number is the way I'm going to look in this game.
1: Georgia State coming off a loss to Auburn last week. Only a 10-point loss, though, where they were leading uh, for a good portion of that game. Plays App State this weekend. That's uh, an App State. I think it was a ten point favor. Is a ten point favorite at this point. They were nine, ten. It was kind of bouncing between those two numbers. Um, so this could be a, a spot maybe to hit App State to win big.
0: It, don't think that Georgia State lost by ten because they really should have won the game. They were up twelve yeah. late in the game. Give up a block punt for a touchdown. Then on a fourth and nine, Auburn scores a touchdown. And then on the next play, there was a pick six. That actually probably should have been the uh, sweat of the week, the over in that game. <laughs> it play. really should six, have. six. Made it over. I didn't realize that until I was doing some research on this game. But Georgia State now going home, a 10 point underdog against App State. It was a very demoralizing loss to Auburn. There was a really questionable uh, catch by Auburn that should have been called incomplete, that wasn't. And the Georgia State coach called out the SEC replay officials. So I think they might be still a little bit ticked off about how that game went down, especially when you're at a school like Georgia State that game at the SEC opponents, always the biggest game of the year. So I can see App State, a pretty decent Sunbelt team, kind of having their way in this game against a Georgia State team that might not totally be focused based on the events that happened at Auburn last week.
1: We got a sandwich game with the Rams. Sandwich. You know, I know they're, they're coming off that win against Tampa Bay, but they just look so solid right now. They really do.
0: Yeah, basically it's a stretch that's a sandwich game, but want to include something. The reason why it's a sandwich game is because they just beat the Bucks as home underdogs last week, and then they have a quick turnaround after this game playing Thursday night in Seattle. So I'm not going to, you know, downplay the fact that they're playing a 3-0 division opponent the Cardinals. That's still a big game, but situationally, that's still a tough game having this game sandwiched between two big ones, especially with the Cardinals. Played the Jaguars next last week, so they are – gonna be fully focused and they wanna make a statement in this game. What's gonna keep me off the Cardinals in this game is this line was Rams minus six earlier in the week and it's gone down where now it's Rams minus four, minus four and a half. So gonna stay away there. I think the bigger thing is Sean McVeigh has been the coach, this is fifth year as the head coach for the Los Angeles Rams. So he's played the Cardinals eight times. He's won all eight of them. He's covered seven of them. One was a push. So I guess depending on the number, maybe you, he covered uh, to make it a perfect game 0 But he's also dominated Cliff Kingsbury 4-0 straight up against him. So I think McVay knows something about the Cardinals, and, and that's something worthwhile because I think eight games over four years is a large enough sample size. Maybe the Cardinals are better. I know there were some games where the Cardinals were, were horrible in that time, so maybe it's a little different, but – the Rams have been able to stop Kyler Murray. I know they have a new defensive coordinator now, but I'm sure it's going to be a lot of the same principles that McVeigh will have his fingerprints on.
1: All right, we got a couple look-ahead games to Texas, Oklahoma. That game is next weekend, so we got both these teams in a in a possible look-ahead spot where we're not seeing probably their best plays. We're not seeing them completely fully attentive to the team they're playing this week. With Texas um, playing at TCU. Um, and then Oklahoma playing uh, Kansas State. So either of these games, if you look at it, and I know I was on Kansas State last week, disappointed me for there, Um, but these could be some good look-ahead games to hit on if you're looking at an underdog to bet on.
0: Yeah, it was kind of a stretch to even have these in the look-ahead just because I don't know if Texas and Oklahoma, that game means as much as it it used to. Texas still unranked, Oklahoma really struggling, where Oklahoma really shouldn't have a look-ahead game because they (laughs) need to figure out their offense sooner rather than later. I think if there's a a team to fade in this game, it would be Texas. They just put up 70 points against Texas Tech last week. They're a five-point road favorite at TCU who lost to SMU last week. So I think Gary Patterson now in the underdog role makes me a little bit tempted to back the Horned Frogs at a kind of an inflated number, getting five points against a Texas team who's kind of coming off their A-plus performance.
1: And then another look-ahead game, Penn state and Iowa. That is going to be October 9th, and this week Penn State uh, plays Indiana, and Iowa plays Maryland on a Friday night this week. Um, this could definitely be a look-ahead spot. Uh, I, I, the thing is, Nate, for Penn State If they were playing anyone other than Indiana, I think it would be a solid look ahead spot, but I think the fact that they lost to Indiana on a questionable call week one last season, I think that definitely still stings. I would not be shocked if James Franklin is like replaying that play over and over in practice this week. So, you know, this could be the traditional look ahead spot for. Iowa, as they play Maryland on a Friday night, but Penn State, I could see him locked in for this Indiana game.
0: That's why I was kind of a borderline look-ahead spot for both teams, where I just wanted to like, bring up that these two teams have a big game next week, so maybe something to consider, but Penn State, as you mentioned, lost that heartbreaker in Indiana where they should have won. So they'll be focused in on this game. I don't think Penn State, and in even Iowa. Iowa's just not a program that I think looks ahead too much. They know what they have. They know that maybe they're not as talented as other teams. They know that they're going to have to work harder than teams to win games. And I think as you're going, we're going to talk about it and talk it out, this line seems a little bit short on Iowa. and Maryland's getting a lot of respect for home field on a Friday night in
1: College Park. All right, let's talk it out then, Nate. That's a perfect transition. Let's talk out some of the bets that we're thinking of making on Friday for our Best bets segment. There's only one thing I want you fellows to do.
0: What's, What's
1: that? Talk me out of it. So my talk it out bet that I want to discuss with you and the listeners is that Iowa at Maryland game. That's the Friday game. Um, Friday night in College Park. Iowa comes in, top five team in the country. Maryland comes in undefeated. Iowa's that three-and-a-half point favorite, 47-and-a-half is the total. I have seen that line fluctuate, and if it gets back to minus three for Iowa, Nate, I really, really want to hit it. I'm not sure why it's this low. I'm not convinced Maryland is a good undefeated team, and I'm convinced about that Iowa defense. Is there any reason why I should not bet minus three for Iowa if it gets back down to it?
0: All right, I'll play devil's advocate here and just say that Iowa has had a lot of kind of turnover luck this year. They had three defensive touchdowns in their first two games against Indiana and Iowa State. So if you believe in turnover regression, then maybe there could be some turnover issues for Iowa and they can't rely on their defense to to force a big play to kind of set their offense up for short fields and just kind of concerns of Spencer Petras. But I think that's all built into the number, Ben, where there's... This line just feels a little too low because I'm not really sold on Maryland in general, a team that you know they almost lost to Illinois two weeks ago. So I think Iowa has to be has to be the only way I could look in this game. But if you were concerned, I would say the the turnover luck. One reason why I lick Iowa a little bit in this game is another reason at least is because they had kind of their dud against Colorado State last week. I think there's going to be a much more focused effort from the Hawkeyes after they were trailing at halftime um, or in the second half as as big favorites against Colorado State. So I I can see them bouncing back this week. And I know they have a big game next week at home against Penn State, number five against number four as they're currently ranked. But Kirk Ferentz is a a no-nonsense coach. He's going to make sure they're focused on the task at hand.
1: Yeah, I like it. And then uh, did you want to talk about Wisconsin-Michigan? Because I also wanted to talk about Wisconsin-Michigan.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's maybe we'll have different opinions on this game based on our conversation on Monday. But we were talking about this game Monday, where Michigan's a one-point favorite. I wake up Tuesday morning, Wisconsin's out to a two-and-a-half point favorite. I'm like, oh, miss miss the potential Wisconsin bet if they're going to be laying any any points with Graham Murphy yeah. and quarterback. But now that line has come back to minus one. So I think there's a like a market disagreement, or at least a, a better disagreement, where there's some people who like you know Michigan to win the game some people like Wisconsin to win this game i have to lean Wisconsin this game i was looking a little bit more at Michigan and i i just don't know if they have a have a second pitch as as you would say in baseball if they aren't able to run the ball Wisconsin wants to stop the run they could be had over in the air like they were against penn state in week 1 penn state had some explosive plays after Wisconsin shut them down the first half I'm not sure if Michigan has that kind of offense, especially since they are missing their best wide receiver since week one. So I think Wisconsin's aside, I'm just not sure if the the uh, offense can be trusted enough. I think one way to look into this game might be the under or one of the team totals under the, under the total, because I think defense will kind of rule the day. And we'll talk about it Friday, but I was looking at some early weather stuff, and it looks like potentially rain and some – cooler weather around the big 10 as we get into the month of october
1: Ooh, i'm excited for the weather report on friday then we can we can look at this game and, and see it just start snowing at some point i'm sure in the middle of uh, october not that
0: cold. we're not there <laughs> yet let's let's not wish wish that especially since we're not
1: too far from the from madison well i'm i'm definitely fine bending the under in a game like this it's certainly low 43 and a half but I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it depends how convinced you are that Michigan is a one trick pony. And and if you're convinced that that's all they can do, run the ball, then I think you take Wisconsin because of how they, they have shown they can play defense against the run. Um, and I, I just, I don't know how much I can trust Graham Mertz. I don't know if I want to trust Graham Mertz with my money, to be honest, that's... but it's tough.
0: Well, here's the thing. If if Graham Mertz was good, then the Wisconsin would be like a you know
1: a yes. seven point
0: favorite, like they were in the preseason lines. I looked at some game of the year lines that came out in May, and Wisconsin was a seven point favorite in this game. So you're getting the discount on Wisconsin because we know Graham Mertz sucks. I'll say <laughs> that's it. true. He's terrible. He's so inaccurate. And, he, and I, I'd say this because he was such a high recruit. It's not like this was a tr- typical Wisconsin quarterback that's come through is it asked to just game manage like Mertz was supposed to be a quarterback to take Wisconsin to the next level and get out of yeah. this 1990s Barry Alvarez style football, which they're trying to, which are failing to do under Paul Chris, which I guess isn't surprising. So I think we're getting a little bit of discount on Wisconsin because it's taken to a fact that Graham Mertz just cannot make accurate throws uh, to the sideline and over like 15 yards.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way about this game as I do about Notre Dame, Cincinnati. It's just like I, I don't trust similar, these teams. Yeah. I don't trust either of them. They have both shown to be good and bad simultaneously somehow, and I don't have trust in either of them. So I think that's I, I think hitting the total or hitting a team total is probably the smart way to go unless I can, can be convinced. I'm leaning towards Wisconsin, but not convinced fully. Maybe by Friday I'll make it a best bet. Um
0: yeah, I'll have some. I'll, have a, I'll do more work on this game, and it'll be something we talk about on Friday's episode.
1: Yeah, do some do some studying as the sharp. I'll do no studying as the square side of everything, and just bet my gut and, and hope that works. <laughs> uh, but nah, that'll you've do it for a good us.
0: You got You you brought up the research. I can tell.
1: That's true. You know, Tuesday's research day. That's that's okay. all it is. It's perfect. Um, so Friday we'll have all our best bets. Excited for that picks Friday favorite time of the week um hopefully we'll have a better week than we did last week i think our last weekend was our regression weekend and so hopefully get back on the horse this week and and get some wins um so we'll be we'll making some good picks on friday until then good luck everyone good luck on thursday night football and uh, we'll see you friday